you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? It's Bucky Brooks, and I am hosting the Move the Sticks show, but I got a partner, a new partner for the day. Uh, Lance Z is in replacing DJ. DJ's out there doing all things Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, I think he might be moving his kid in and doing some other stuff. So we got LZ sitting in, but it is a perfect day to have LZ because when LZ comes, he brings all that H-Town swag. And we had big news uh, coming from the NFL today. The NFL and Deshaun Watson have agreed to a deal on a disciplinary settlement. As part of the agreement, he will sit out 11 games and pay a $5 million fine. That means he is set to return week 13 against who? Hey, Texans. <laughs> and all the LZ. talk had been busted. Yeah. I'm telling you this, though, Bucky, it had always been about the league wanted him suspended long enough that the Texans weren't part of the mix. 
it didn't make sense to me because, look, Deshaun's going to get booed everywhere he goes. He's going to get booed in Houston, but he'll actually get more cheers in Houston really than any other city other than Cleveland because there's still a lot of fans here of Deshaun Watson. Um, so he's going to get some cheers. He's going to get a lot of boos because of how he, you know, because of everything that went down off the field, but also, you know, the way he handled the the, the breakup with the Houston Texans. But the uh, the deal is a $5 million fine, and he suspended – 11 games, Bucky. So he'll be back week 13, as you mentioned, against the Texans. And that's an interesting number to me because now is there enough in the tank from Jacoby Brissett mm-hmm. as a game manager and the defense and Nick Chubb to keep them in position until Deshaun Watson gets back? And is Deshaun Watson, how is he going to play after you know missing all of last year most of this upcoming season, a chunk of it, like, Mm -hmm. will he be ready to just step right in when everyone else has a lot of football under their belt? So there are a few things to talk about when when we, when we think about the deal and then it has been done. Uh, One 11 games is weird because it's an odd number, not an even Mm -hmm. number. Normally we've seen these deals where it's like a four, six, eight, 10, 12, you know, so maybe they split the baby between 10 and 12 and 11 is the number. Uh, The $5 million fine. Um, we understood that we knew the league was going to go after his pocket because personally, I believe there were a lot of people that were certainly upset about the transgressions. I believe that man, nearly half as many people were upset about the money and the contract that he signed after being embroiled in the mix. There are a lot of people who couldn't understand how he was able to get the largest fully guaranteed deal in NFL history with this stuff hanging over the head. So from a league perspective, you can't satisfy both entries. You take them off the field, you give them a hefty yep. fine. And so that that accomplished that. What also, buckets? it's $1 million contract this year. So the way Cleveland mm-hmm. set it up, a lot of people said, wait a minute, he's going to get suspended. But the paycheck's really not even like he won't even be hurt at all financially. So that's another part of it. Although I will say that Cleveland has done that with a couple of players. Like that's not – I know it looks suspicious – and maybe mm-hmm. some of that was to protect him. But when you look at their cap situation, you could actually understand many teams have given have front loaded money in terms of guarantees and, and money up front so that they could keep the salary cap numbers low those first two years. So that's that was something I think a lot of people had a problem with, too, is like, wait a minute, his contract's a million. So he's going to be yeah. this is going to be less than what, 50,000. We're, we're yeah. looking at 60,000 a game is all he's going to lose. So that takes care yeah, of that, too. That does take care of some of that. And there were a lot of people that are really upset about the money and all this other stuff. So now we get that out the way. On the field, you know, this is interesting because 11 games is it, it's a lot, but it doesn't completely crush the Cleveland Browns. I think when you get to 12 and more, like, Lance, that's, that's a lot. It's hard to say, hey, guys, we're going to hold it together and Deshaun's going to come in. Uh, riding on his white horse and save the day. I think this is a situation where if you're the Cleveland Browns, if I'm the coaching staff, in my mind, I would never say this to the players. Man, if we can get to that point, six and five, five and six, that'll give us a chance to make a run. And so what can we do to make sure that Jacoby Brissett and this team is able to play 500 ball until the star quarterback comes back? Here's your games afterwards. You've got the Texans. Well, after the suspension, you've got Texans at Houston. Browns should be a favorite. You're at the Bengals. You'll be an underdog. Ravens at Browns. 
I can't even imagine Always what that one's going to look like right yeah. now. Saints at Browns. Browns should be a favorite. Browns at Commanders. You expect the Browns to probably yeah. be a favorite there. And then Browns at Steelers. So he comes back, and you've got division games. Uh, in three of his six games, he does have division games. So a big impact on on the division state. Like me personally, I see the Bengals as a cut above based on where I think the season mm-hmm. is going to go. That's how I personally see it. I don't know what to think about the Ravens. The Ravens had so many injuries mm-hmm. last year. I wasn't feeling the Ravens, uh, and I'm still not headed into the season the same way. I'm not really feeling the Steelers this year. But those are also blue-chip teams with long histories of excellence and consistency for a long time. So to write them off with coaches like Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh, I think that would also be a mistake. So um, I'm really curious to see where they are. And I think you're right. Six and man, if you go six and five, six and, five? and then you oh, win, that's a, that's a win. And then you win four of the last six. six? So that yeah. would put you at 10 wins. Ten, I think 10 wins get you in the playoffs. That normally has been the formula, even under a 16-game schedule. They would say the magic number is 10. Mm-hmm. 10 wins more times than not over time gets you into the playoffs. So, now if you're Kevin Stefanski and the coaching staff, now that you know what you're dealing with, I think it's a lot easier now to figure out, okay, how are we going to play with our team? Is it more a Nick Chubb and these guys, we got to really grind it out. Defense, y'all have to step up and let's just hold it down until we can get number four back. I think now that you know that, I think it's easier from a planning perspective yep. to get this team in position to get it done. You don't freak out. You don't freak out if you lose the first two games. You're just trying to get to 500. And I think maybe you have an open and honest conversation. Hey, man, we're just trying to make a dash for the cash in the end. We're just trying to make it where we're in the hunt the last five games of the season and Deshaun Watson has to come ready. But I will say this, coming off of the heels of watching him in a preseason game, and I know it's a preseason game. Lance, I felt like in that preseason game, he played like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. Yeah. And even though he only played a couple of series and we're like, hey, it's a preseason game, he looked rusty. He looked distressed. He didn't look like, I would say, the, the Pro Bowl quarterback that did it three times in Houston. And so now that all of that, I say, is put to bed, I think now over the next 11 to 12 weeks, he really can focus in on, I got to put myself in a position where I hit the ground running. He can't be around the facilities. He can't practice or whatever. So he's going to have to get with his personal quarterback coach, but he has to go to work and he has to find a way to hit the ground running. So he's game ready when he comes back against the Texans. And that's going to be interesting because you have to imagine that the offense you run for Jacoby Brissett, uh, and what you ask him to do is not going to be the same thing. Maybe early on it will be, but ultimately you don't want those offenses to look the same. You want to give Deshaun Watson more leeway to make plays. But then again, based on what you're talking about, Bucky, maybe that is going to be the case. Maybe the offenses are going to be the same because Deshaun Watson hitting the ground running, it's not going to be easy. Take a look at the six games before the Texans and Browns square off and Deshaun Watson's return December 4th. Here are your games. Patriots at Browns, Browns at Ravens, Bengals at Browns, Browns at Dolphins, Browns at Bills, Buccaneers at Browns. I'm telling you, those are six rough games. I mean, the <laughs> hey, Dolphins Lance, in right Miami. They're going to be holding on for dear life. That's what I'm making. Six wins. I mean, yeah, if they get to six wins, and here's a better question. Let's say they're not six and five. Let's say they're three and eight. Um, let's say they don't beat the Chargers when the Chargers come to town or they don't beat the Steelers. 
And those are two of the first four games that they're going to play. Let's say they're three and eight. I wonder what the vibe is with the fan base then, because you know how fans get late in the season. If they're out of it, they want you to lose everything for draft positioning. Like fans don't want to see wins. But if you're Cleveland, <clears throat> there's something much more important than draft positioning, and that's getting Deshaun Watson acclimated with his new teammates, with the offense, and really, frankly, getting through this year with a chance to build momentum in the next season. So I think there's some really interesting um, storylines with Cleveland as it pertains to how, how did the Browns approach this, as you mentioned. For me, I'm saying, look, Kareem Hunt, Ernest Johnson, we need you guys because we're going to run, run, run Nick Chubb, and we need that second running back to be ready to go. I know Kareem Hunt's not happy with his contract, but you do have enough defense and running game to win games, Bucky. I mean, you've got enough if if Brissett can move the chains every once in a while on third down and not turn the ball over. Yeah, they absolutely have more than enough to be able to do it. And so I think if you are uh, the Cleveland Browns, what you're doing is you're trying to piecemeal this thing out. Uh, most teams always break the season up into quarters. And so for the Browns, you have to think about each quarter. If we can just go 500 during the first quarter of the season, meaning go two and two the first month, go two and two the second month and just have a chance to get to that six and five or five and six mark. Uh, we have to do it. Now, a lot of the onus goes to the defense. Miles mm -hmm. Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, JOK, uh, Denzel Ward. The defense has to play like a top five defense. Yep. Uh, and they're talented enough to do that, but they have to play at a top five level because if defense plays lights out combined, with a dominant running game, which they should have with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they should be able to keep these games close enough to make it fourth quarter affairs. Can you count on Jacoby Brissett to win some of those? I don't know. But defense, running game, they have to play at an A level. And everyone in the league knows they're going to run the football. The offensive line has to do it. But the trick is, and, and really the, the question is, they lost their starting center. Yep. They lost a backup center. Now they're hodgepodge in the middle of that offensive line. But that offensive line can't they look, they can't settle with the excuses. They have to play great. They have to play well for this team to make it. Ethan uh Pochick is the uh, is the starting center right now on the depth chart I'm looking at. He's got starting reps coming out of Seattle. I remember writing him up at LSU. I want to say my first year I was doing this for the tall center. Yeah, big, very tall big old center. Tall center, yeah. Very tall, can play multiple positions, but you know, Jedrick Willis, uh, Jedrick Wills, rather, and Joel Batonio like him a lot on the left side. Wyatt Teller played good on the right side. Jack Conklin. Losing that center, though, is the, the brain trust with Nick Harris. He's a very athletic center as well. However, you have a guy with starting experience. So I think you're going to be okay. I think a big, big part of this is going to be what does Amari Cooper have outside of the Dallas Cowboys? Because we've seen some up and down from Amari Cooper. Can Amari Cooper summon – you know, uh, uh, um, the playmaking stuff. Can he summon the, the productivity? Can he and Peoples-Jones really take over? And what are you going to get also from uh, David Bell, the rookie who was a poor tester but had good tape? He had second-round tape. Yeah. He had seventh-round testing, yeah. and now he went in the third round. Can he step up and make plays? That's going to be key also is that, that, that rookie. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. What's interesting, though, is I didn't make him as my pivotal rookie. I, I recently wrote an article, Bucky, 32 pivotal rookies, um, every team's pivotal rookie. And well, let's talk about it. Hold, let's, yeah. let's, let's get to it. Let's talk about it. So let's start right there. We'll get to the AFCs. Let's start right there. You talk about the AFC North. Who's the pivotal rookie that you're talking about? That's what I was going to say. I, I gave it to Martin Emerson, and here's why. Martin Emerson, the corner out of uh, out of Mississippi State. You know, I looked at David Bell from from uh, uh, Purdue, and I just thought this is going to be a run-heavy team. I think Emerson, who is fighting with Greedy Williams for snaps right now, mm-hmm. and and I think a division where you're trying to battle against the Cincinnati Bengals, where they are a dangerous team with a lot of different types of wide receivers, I think Emerson could come into play. Now, I don't love having to do pivotal rookie for the Browns because they didn't have a first pick until the third round, and they had three guys, Alex Wright, uh, Martin Emerson, and David Bell. To be honest with you, Bucky, you know how it is with certain teams. I just don't know that a rookie is going to end up being "quote unquote" pivotal for their success. Um, now, that's for th- that's for that team. I want to get your opinion on the Ravens because, on the other hand, you have Tyler Linderbaum. I had to decide between Tyler Linderbaum and Kyle Hamilton, and I ended up going with Linderbaum. And I want to see what you think on here. I know Hamilton's gotten a lot of uh, gotten a lot of attention up to this point and not always for, for great things. You know, his, his coverage skills have been lacking when he's had to flip the hips and runs, but run, but I mean, that was on tape. There was never a doubt that was going to be the issue for him. He's got to play downhill, but even though I think Kyle Hamilton is still a very talented player, I just feel like getting that running game going again, Tyler Linderbaum, getting him back and healthy. I think he's more pivotal than Hamilton because the running game for me is who, the Ravens are. And yes, Lamar is part of that running game, but getting J.K. Dobbins rolling again, getting the the holes, the outside zone um, hemmed up again. I think having a guy like Tyler Linderbaum, to me, I felt like he was maybe more pivotal for their success than Kyle Hamilton, who's got a couple good safety to, the safeties he's already playing with. Yeah, Linderbaum to me is the key. Last year, there were times, man, the Baltimore Ravens couldn't get a snap. Going back two years in the playoffs, they couldn't get the snap. The quarterback's interchange was faulty, and so it hurt them. Now you you bring in a guy who is not only a guy who's one of the best centers that we've seen in the college game for a while, even though we can talk about picking them apart because of the arm length and maybe some of the strength deficiencies, there's no doubt that he is a technician coming out of Iowa. And the last time that the Baltimore Ravens, uh, I would say, rolled the dice a little bit on an Iowa interior block, it was Marshall Yonder, and we saw how that worked out for him. The big thing for the Ravens, getting Lamar Jackson back, having the comfort level with the rookie center. How are the pieces around the rookie center where they can take pressure off of him? Remember, Ronnie Stanley comes back off of that injury. And if he's anything like he was prior to the injury, oh, you're talking about a dominant offensive line that can pound it and smash it. Mm-hmm. Two tight ends that they drafted, um, Kolar and Isaiah Likely coming from Coastal Carolina to go with Mark Andrews. This Ravens team, is turning back the clock to Lamar Jackson's MVP year and the mm-hmm. style of offense that they played with the big boys on the field and just cramming it down your throat. If Tyler Lindenbaum is what we think he could be, they get right back to doing it. They get right back to playing at a high level. 
And that's why pivotal does not mean in every case in my article, the the guy that I think is going to be the best player long-term or even the best player this year, it's the most important. And I think if Linderbaum doesn't play well, that's also pivotal. That means they're in some trouble. So pivotal mm-hmm. means I think he's the most important for success. Now I want to take it to the, to, to Deshaun Watson. We talked about him earlier. I want to take him to you, go back to the former team, the Houston Texans, where I am, you know, Derek Stingley was the third pick of the draft, but the 13th pick was Kenyon green. And then you've got Jalen Petrie mm-hmm. that is just balling out in, in uh in practice and he's a guy that's been the most active the the most eye-opening Kenyon green has an injury right now he is not playing uh Derek stingley they're bringing al- along uh slowly he did not play in the preseason game i feel like though when it comes to pivotal it's Kenyon green and the reason's simple you got to establish a running game pep hamilton wants to run the football he wants to run it better um and i think Kenyon green as a as a as a people mover as a as a moving service who will take your boxes from point A to point B without you even <laughs> wanting them to, you know, to me, I want that. that. That's what I want, Buck, is I want to start that attitude. And if you're going to rebuild a team, it starts with the trenches and it starts with attitude and the right attitude. And I think Kenyon Green has that. I think also Jalen Petrie has that as well. But I want to get your thought on that. The offensive lineman is I'm wearing my Joe Moore shirt, my Joe Moore Award shirt. I so I. You know, I I I I stay in the offensive line, obviously. However, I do think that attitude maybe is even more pivotal to to install that with Pep Hamilton as opposed to Derek Stingley at the corner. Cause I do think, you know, corner the corner position sometimes is gonna take a little longer to really click in the NFL. So I'm not expecting incredible things from Derek Stingley in year one. No, I I agree with you with Kenyon Green. He was one of my favorites in the draft. He was one of my favorites because he did have that nasty attitude. I feel like Kenyon Green's display in practice has encouraged Davis Mill to make some of the statements that he has made about the Texans being maybe the league's biggest surprise. There is something that they're seeing on tape where Kenyon Green is absolutely whipping people at the line of scrimmage where everybody feels like they can poke their chest out a little bit and say that we're going to be a little more physical, a little more aggressive when it comes to running the ball. And so I like it. I will say this, though. I know you're there in the city, but everything that I'm getting back on Derek Stingley is that Derek Stingley is that dude he was his freshman year, not the one we saw the last two years. The clips that I'm catching, this dude is covering like he is a trusty, cagey veteran who is unafraid. I think that is scary if they hit on him because Lovey Smith wants to play more man-to-man. They played a lot of man last year, but now if he actually has man corners who can play man, yeah, this defense is okay because this defense gave people problems last year. Yeah, they would they would be better than expected for the first half, and then they would run out of gas. Well, now you have, as you mentioned, you've added Jalen Petrie. You've added uh, Derek Stingley. Um, it's interesting. There's a bunch of names on that. If I pull up their their depth chart, I'm like, wait, I wrote this guy. Wait, I wrote this guy. This They got a bunch of guys who are kind of washouts in contract one that did not live Mm -hmm. up to the hype necessarily. But listen to some of these names that you'll be like, oh, he plays there. He plays there. Uh, I'll give you an example. You've got, um, well, Tremont Smith, who was a cornerback with Mm -hmm. good special teams potential and and value. MJ Stewart. You remember MJ Stewart coming out of NC? Your guy. So he's on the roster right now. Fabian Moreau out of UCLA is over there. You know Eric Murray. Steven Nelson is going to be one of the starting corners. Isaac Yadam, the long cornerback out of Boston College, is on the team. Jalen Re- uh, Reeves-Mabin out of Detroit. Blake Cashman, 
Uh, I can't remember who drafted Blake. Jake Hansen, like a bunch of dudes that I remember were top four round picks. Uh, Rasheem the Dream Green from USC. Is on the yeah. is on the roster. So a bunch of guys who were drafted, uh, Philip Dorsett, who was a, a first round pick. There's a bunch of guys who who didn't get it done at other locations. And and Nick Casario is basically saying height, weight, speed, length. Let's let's go get the traits and let's see if we can get a reclamation project going here. I mean, something that the Patriots have been able to do, something that other teams have been able to do. Just because it doesn't work out in one spot doesn't mean that the player can't play. Put them in a situation in a system that might. Uh, extenuate their skills, and you may uncover the player that many were excited about doing the draft process. For the Texans, this is a team, man, you watch them every week because they're right there locally, but I felt like they played hard. I felt like they really responded to Lovey Smith, particularly on defense. Mm-hmm. If he's able to get the rest of the team going, and if Pelp Hamilton continues to do what he's done with previous quarterbacks, Davis Mills is going to make another leap in year two. And we're talking about a very talented, talented prospect coming out. He just didn't have enough college games, 11 starts, I want to say, coming out of Stanford. Well, now if Pep Hamilton gets him going, yeah, look, it may not look pretty, but there's no reason why we can't talk about them being one of these, uh, I call them hustle-hard teams. They don't beat (laughs) you necessarily with their talent, but they beat you just because they outwork you for four quarters. They have enough talent to win in that regard. Look out for Nico Collins, too. I think you're going to see a much bigger year in year two from Nico. Did not play in 2020 because of a COVID opt-out. So um, I think you're going to see a big a big jump in productivity and, and talent from Nico Collins. Let's take it to the Titans. I want to see what you think the answer is here. I'm going to give you two names. Traylon Burks as the most pivotal or Roger McCreary, cornerback, as most pivotal for the Titans. Based on what you know about the Titans, where they stand in the AFC, where they stand in the AFC South, who do you think is the most pivotal guy, in your opinion, between these two? Because this is who it came down to for me. I think Traylon Burks is the most pivotal, but here's why I'm worried about him being the most pivotal. They gave up a proven commodity in A.J. Brown, big physical receiver who was their number one receiver, who really worked well with Ryan Tannehill. Now, they may have thought that they got a clone in Traylon Burks, but the reports that I've seen coming out of Tennessee have not been great on the young prospect from Arkansas. Questions about his conditioning, his fitness level, uh, not always available to, to practice and finish practices, and separation. Can he separate enough? So all the things that were concerns a little bit for a guy who appeared to have some big body blow up potential. Those concerns have been realized. And so can he figure it out quickly in the season and give them some of the production that AJ Brown used to give them on the perimeter? I think one thing that's interesting is he had issues with being heavy and, and out of condition, heavier than he wanted to be in out of condition in the, the initial rookie mini camp came back into camp, had lost weight. So he's actually lighter now. He blamed it, but he took accountability. He said, my conditioning wasn't where it needed to be. Now he did say he had an asthma issue and he had to push through asthma as somebody who's been an asthmatic my whole life. You don't really push through asthma. You take your medicine and you're good for the rest Mm -hmm. of the day. I mean, there's a difference, but I could sit and run right now and immediately be huffing and puffing and tell you my asthma's got me. No, that's being out of shape. That's not, it's not always asthma when you're out of shape. So I think asthma may have been an issue, but he also said, no, my conditioning uh, was an issue. So we'll see if he grows up. Uh, he did show some positive signs 
from from camp where he came in lighter when they made it into camp. Because when he went into that original rookie minicamp, as you're mentioning, Bucky, that's where the negative stuff came from is he was not – it wasn't – everything you said was an issue. I know there's been some more positivity about his conditioning since he came back. And sometimes and sometimes guys just need to learn how to be a pro. Um, and maybe that will happen for him. I made Roger McCreary for some of the same reasons. I just think mm-hmm. they've got some – there's some holes in that secondary – and I think McCreary is going to be very, very important. If Tennessee wants to play at a high level, they're going to have to cover better on the back end. So I actually, and at the end of the day, the Titans are going to be a run first team anyway. So I ended up saying McCreary over Burks, but I thought that was, to me, the tough choice. Let me go to the AFC West. This one was hard. Sky Moore, George Karloftis, and Trent McDuffie. You have three guys that I think are going to play important roles this year for the Chiefs. I went with McDuffie but I could make an argument for Karloftis or Sky Moore with the quickness. I just feel like, okay, I'm playing the Raiders, I'm playing the Chargers, and I'm playing the the Chiefs. That's a lot of throwing and that's going to happen. And all those teams other than the Chiefs just got better as it came to their passing attack. Yeah, they all got better. Um, this division is absolutely loaded. The offensive firepower. I mean, you talk about the quarterbacks. Uh, you talk about the playmakers on the perimeter. You have to have – uh, guys on the on the outside that can hold their own in these one-on-one matchups. Now, I would say that Karloftis, to me, is, yeah. is maybe a more valuable or maybe a, a more pivotal piece because one thing that I know is if I knock the quarterback down, I don't have to worry about covering. Mm-hmm. And even though Karloftis is more of a power player than a finesse mover, he has pass rush ability. And he is also one of those relentless guys off the edge if he can do what I would call the Trey Hendrickson thing, right, where he's able to just work hard, outwork him, hustle sideline to sideline, make plays in that regard, because that's how he did it at Purdue. And if he can give them double-digit sacks playing alongside Chris Jones and opposite Frank Clark, that's a perfect, perfect scenario for the Kansas City Chiefs to be able to deal with what they're going to face in this division this year. I don't have a problem with it, and I really struggle with that one because, you know, I think – you could also make a case for Sky Moore if you wanted to about, you know, being able to replace that at slot target, a guy who's really kind of a game ready player as well. So I think that one's a very interesting one. The, the Chargers, we already know you're going to have to go read. Oh, I'll just tell you, it's Zion Johnson. That's that's a no brainer. Raiders hey. are tougher. Raiders are. T- Don't you think it's Zion or you think somebody else is more pivotal? Oh, oh, oh no. I'm just telling you down there. They're raving about Zion Johnson. Zion's going to fit in great. They're raving about him like they raved about Rashawn Slater last year. They feel like they got two good young players to build around. So now you think about those two, Corey Lindsay. There's a lot of reasons for optimism. People always look to the outside. One of the reasons the charges may be better is because they're going to be able to dominate on the inside, which also means they may be able to run the ball. So my fantasy tip is, hey, go get Isaiah Spiller. He may have a gang of carries run that time. Yeah, yeah. And don't forget now, he his AM offensive line, they replaced four starters last year, and they were not good to start the season. I think that caused some of his hesitation. I think the Isaiah Spiller you saw the year before is probably the one you're going to see with the Chargers, and that is going to be better than the one uh, that was on tape on 2021 that we looked at. So that's a mm-hmm. that's a good call, Buck. That's a good late round sleep or or undrafted free agent to keep an eye. I mean, uh, 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 you know, a, a free agent uh, for your fantasy leagues to keep an eye on. I totally agree. Here's the hardest one of the entire article: the Jets. 
I've got I've got Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, and Brees Hall. Four picks inside the first thirty-six. Who is the most pivotal of those of those players? Um, you got to have a wide receiver for your mm. quarterback. You need somebody to finally defend on the outside at cornerback. You need rush. They've needed rush forever. And Brees Hall is a three-down running back. So who is the most pivotal? I thought this was the toughest the toughest decision I had to make. Uh, I would say Brees Hall. Now, given the situation with Zach Wilson, even if he returns early in the season, they're not going to be able to have these fancy plans that they have for him based on the knee injury. He may not be able to get on the perimeter. He may have to operate with a knee brace on, which will limit his mobility. The best way that you can help him is you got to have a dominant running game. So Brees Hall and Michael Carter have to be able to take turns kind of grinding it out and catching passes and doing things uh, in this offense. Brees Hall is terrific. When you watch him, uh, to me, he reminds me of a little poor man's Le'Veon Bell and Le'Veon's prime. Mm -hmm. If he can give them some of that RB1 wide receiver two stuff, this offense will continue to be successful with Joe Flacco at the helm. I'm going to take it to the NFC, and I'm going to make it hard for you again. Evan Neal or Kayvon Thibodeau? I had to figure out my – Oh, remember, Kayvon's listening probably. So if you want that smoke again, he he said the game was slow. I know the game was slow. My God, like I try and tell him, like, hey, man, don't give him the quotables. Try and stay up the quotable. You're in New York. Ah, man. So let's go Evan Neal being pivotal because it's pivotal because if I'm Joe Shane and Brian Dayball, I am looking at my quarterback, Daniel Jones, and I'm trying to make an assessment and determination of whether he's going to be the franchise guy. Yep. I'm worried because right now we're we're having the coach speak, hey, man, we just got to make sure Tyrod is ready. Ready for what? Like ready for an injury? Like the backup always has to be ready in that regard. When you're giving him more reps, mm-hmm. it might mean that you're a little insecure about what you have at the QB1 spot. And so the offensive line is going to be pivotal because regardless of who plays quarterback for this team, they're going to have to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage because you need to run the ball with Saquon. You also need to make sure that the quarterback has a fortress set up in front of him. That was my same thought, too. I mean, as much as they need rush, they've got to fix the offensive line. They've got to get it right because your last, you know, two of your most important first-round picks, Saquon and Daniel Jones, and I'm to the point now where I just – I don't think no matter what Saquon does, I just don't know that they're going to pay him uh, with the Giants. But you still need him to be successful. And Daniel Jones, for everything that you mentioned, that's why Andrew Thomas getting better in year three and Evan Neal stepping in and being a, more than functional but solid right tackle, it is critical for the Giants. So that's why I think from a pivotal standpoint, no doubt, you at least get a look at Daniel Jones – with a, a functional to maybe even uh, slightly above average, maybe offensive line, you, you'd at least like average. So you can mm-hmm. see, okay, what does Daniel Jones look like at least with an average line before we cast him off and look at a, another quarterback. I think you have to know that one. Now, another team that I thought was, was, was kind of interesting and a little bit tougher was the Eagles, Jordan Davis or Nicobe Dean. So you got Nicobe Dean who can run around, but part mm. of his success is he gets to play behind a guy like Jordan Davis. Can Jordan Davis, they've got a decent defensive line. Who is more pivotal for the Eagles' success? Would it be uh, Jordan Davis or would it be 
uh, Nicobe Dean, in your in your opinion, between those two players? Nicobe Dean has been the buzz of yep. the camp. And it's so funny because I did this and I knew when I watched him up close and personal at the combine, I knew I shouldn't get caught up in watching him, uh, seeing the size and seeing just how small he was in comparison to everybody else because that would take away from the evaluation that you see on film. On film, the dude looks like the best player on their defense. And Lance, that's saying something because I've been down in Jacksonville and I've watched Trayvon Walker absolutely put his hands on folks like a grown man playing with kids. And I've seen what Jordan Davis is doing, walking uh, offensive linemen back in one-on-one drills. Quay Walker making plays as a sideline-to-sideline player. But when you turn on the Georgia tape, the best player on their defense was N'Kobe Dean. And you're hearing the conversations coming out of Philly like, man, this dude has jumped right in, mm-hmm. and it ain't too big for him. He's doing mm-hmm. what he's always done. And so, to me, he's pivotal because they haven't had a second-level playmaker at linebacker, man, in a long time. I think you also have to look at the division. Washington has um, a, a player in, in Antonio Gibson who can catch a ball out of the backfield. You've got Dallas who – you know, can spread you out and, and, and force your linebackers to match out, uh, match up. Yeah. I think when you look at how, how they're built, that's, that's really critical too. Um, in terms of the division and the Kobe Dean. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. Let me give you a couple more before we jet. This is one that I struggle with. I've got Drake London as a first round player. I made Desmond Ritter, the third rounder though, the most pivotal. And here's why. I went back to the Texans and I said, you know what? Third round quarterback uh, Davis Mills did not start the season. It was Terod Taylor. But the Texans got an idea of Davis Mills in year one. What about the idea that Cincinnati at some point, Mariota's just a bridge guy. That's all he's going to be. So what about the idea that maybe it's going to be more pivotal that the Falcons get the same type of look on Ritter so they have an idea of what they have as early as year one, the same way the Texans, who were also a rebuild team at the time, and the Falcons are clearly a rebuild team right now. Maybe you get a look at who Desmond Ritter is. Is he that guy? Does he have what it takes that we can say, okay, cool, we're going to go into next year because you're going to have a high pick, Falcons. I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're going to have a high pick. So if you're sitting there looking at one of these top quarterback prospects, wouldn't you like to know, if you've got a guy in Ritter that might be able to allow you to pick a different position or even move that pick, I mean, how valuable would that be as well? Oh, I think it'd be a tremendous value. I think it's really important and imperative for this team to know what they have in Desmond Ritter. If Marcus Mariota falters at all, or if the team is just bad the first half of the season, you got to spend the second half trying to figure out what you have at quarterback. Now, you want to make those decisions with Desmond Ritter compared to the quarterbacks and a starts to the class that we should see in 2023. But still, you want to see if the young guy can play. Got a chance to watch him against the Detroit Lions in preseason action. Didn't look too bad for him. The completion rate and the efficiency wasn't what you wanted it to be, but you right. certainly can work with it and build around it. And so it's just one of those things that you have to continue to see can the young guy play? Here's a couple more for you before we go. Um, and, of course, if you guys want to read it, you can go to NFL.com and read the 32 pivotal rookies for each team. Once again, pivotal is up for debate. You can define it how you want to. I defined it uh, in the article so you can see. New Orleans Saints, I'm kind of giving you some teams with if with mm-hmm. A or B. Trevor Penning or Chris Olave? I thought this one was a, a tougher one. Who is most pivotal for the Saints this year? 
this is a tough one. Uh, normally in these situations, I always skew for the trench warriors over the big play guys on the perimeter. Uh, my thing with pinning is this. I mean, when's he going to cut out all the silliness at the line of scrimmage, the fighting and all that other stuff? I thought that was just a senior bowl. Uh, I'm a tough guy deal. At some point, man, he, can, he can't engage mm-hmm. in this kind of behavior for this team to continue to win. That's it. He, he's important because the offensive line, the running game, the Saints' ability to play what we call big boy football is critical with Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in a situation where I have to throw 30-plus times. I want to be in a situation where maybe I want to throw because we have favorable matchups. And so there's a difference in that, meaning that I don't want the defense dictating the terms. I want to dictate the terms to how we attack them in the pass game. And the only way we can do that is by running the ball effectively. And then when we do elect a pass, we want to make sure that the quarterback is upright in the pocket. Here's another one for you. The 49ers, Spencer Burford, which that name is going to surprise a lot of people who aren't paying attention to San Francisco, but the fourth round rookie is starting at right guard in that uh, zone heavy running game. And that's something that, you know, they need to be able to run the football well. So you got a rookie fourth rounder at right guard or backup outside pass rusher who has buzzed over at Niners camp, according to people who I've, you know, I've spoken with who have been out there at camp, Drake Jackson. So which one of those two guys do you think is most pivotal? Drake Jackson, the pass rusher, Spencer Burford, the starting rookie offensive lineman. That's even. Uh, We've seen the Niners do uh, a lot in the run game with just uh, unheralded players at multiple spots, front line, in the backfield. So I'm going to go with the pass rusher, Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson was a hard evaluation because it depended on which Drake Jackson you were looking at. It kind of reminds you of like Mm -hmm. when people were talking about listening to Luther Vandross, was it Big Luther or Little Luther? And so that's the big (laughs) thing with Drake, with Drake Jackson. With Drake Jackson, what you want to know, hey, if it's- Here and now. Yeah, yeah, if it's Big Drake Jackson, you're like, okay, he's heavy handed. He's not as athletic, but man, he can get after it. Big Drake was better than small Drake. Yeah. Kind of like I mean, Luther. Big Big Luther was, yeah, Big Luther was better. I think, I think with Drake, he was out of position because when they made him lighter, they put him in space and did all this other stuff. I felt like he was better when he was heavy-handed near the point of attack. Yeah, I, I went with Drake Jackson over Burford. I was set to go with Burford, but the fact is, Kyle Shanahan has been, you know, he's been on offensive lines where and has really learned, as you mentioned, you can find guys. You can find guys, they have to have certain athletic traits you coach him up and you can find guys to plug in and Burford is very important clearly he's important in terms of interior protection and helping the running game get going I'm not debating that I just think when it comes to rush you know if you're going to prioritize a guard or a pass rusher well all day the more pivotal player is going to be a guy that can go and, and get the quarterback so if they're able to get the quarterback with Nick Bosa on one side and then sub package rush with with Drake Jackson on the other side that's just so critical uh, to to high end success. So I think, especially when you're playing the the Rams or Tampa Bay, if you're trying to play at the, or Aaron Rodgers at the highest level, you got to have rush from both sides. So yeah, I ended up going with uh, Drake Jackson there as well. For people who want to check out the article, it's at NFL.com. It's 32 most or the 32 pivotal rookies, one for each team. And go take a look at your favorite team and hit me on Twitter. Tell me if 
you agree or disagree. I know you're going to be a hater anyway, so just come and bring it. Doesn't matter <laughs> to me. I got a mute button and I clap back, so it's either way. I'm good. Hey, so look, I've been looking at uh, Hard Knocks and the love for Malcolm Rodrigo. What? Rodrigo, yeah, Rodrigo. He can play. Lance, Lance so here, here's the thing. I remember watching him, and it's one of those things like in TV, we we don't have enough time to really talk about everybody, right? So mm-hmm. we kind of hear the buzz and, oh, he's going to be a fourth or fifth round pick. But then you're like, wait a minute, I saw the tape, man. This dude, just, man, this dude makes tons of wrestling background, tough and physical. State whatever. champ wrestler. Right. Yeah. So, like high-end so, wrestler. Like, so, so Lance, I'm watching Hard Knocks and I'm watching the tape, and he is a heat-seeking missile when it comes to contact. And the way that the coaches are getting excited, it's easy to see why they're excited when they play the tape back. Lance, no his doubt. instincts, his ability to come down and engage, I mean, he is an old-school, square-bodied, inside-backer who wants – look, he wants the smoke. All he the wants smoke. all the smoke inside. But, but he's 5'11", 232 with 30 and one eighth arms. So he's a short arm guy. He has good size. I mean, 5'11", 232 is not bad. Yeah. Sam Mills type size. But when I watched him, I swear on everything. I'm like, man, I feel like I'm watching uh, a little more athletic, ver- a more athletic version of Zach Thomas. The way yeah, Zach I Thomas used that. to seek and destroy uh, and the way the, the big ass neck that he's got, like you talked yeah. about, square body. Uh, brick mail house. I mean, uh, a brick mailbox is what he looks like, but his ability, I mean, it's a guy with buck 39 and a half vert. He had explosive. a 10 foot broad jump, super explosive. So you take explosive, tough, instinctive, and he made a ton of plays in the, pa- in, in the passing game and his ball mm. production when he dropped in coverage, cause he's instinctive. His tackle numbers were off the charts, like everything that you would like. He just didn't hit some physical dimensions. He falls down the board to six round. But for me, Bucky, I projected him in the fourth because the fourth round is where you put these high end players who just lack some physical traits. I thought you stick them in a the fourth round. And I got to say, I'm not surprised that Malcolm Rodriguez is popping off this early in camp because He's a really good football player. That's just what he is. And I think it's another reminder that when we're doing this thing and we're going through the draft that you can't get caught up in just the workout warrior part of uh, the evaluation. You got to look at the tape. I mean, he was a great player, Oklahoma State. Uh, I want to say in that defense that Jim Knowles had, he might have been the jack, which was kind of like the guy that moved around and did a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. I just remember the thump that he brings. And so when you talked about the explosiveness, the 39-inch vertical, the 10-foot broad jump, combined with the leverage that he learned and displayed as a wrestler, oh, he's an all-day sucker. And because today's game we don't have true fullbacks and we got these uh, H-backs that are masquerading as, as lead blockers, <laughs> he is absolutely obliterating them in the hole. Bucky, these are my strengths from the Scott Airport. Team captain and brain of the defense. Plays with a healthy level of suspicion pre-snap. 
instinctive feel for blocking schemes. And by the way, that's super important to recognize blocking schemes and to know what a running game is doing, what it's supposed to look like is, is critical. Stays clean, sifting through the tra- through traffic in the box. Like guys didn't hit him when he was sifting. Uh, made 397 tackles over four years. Elite wrestling background shows up in his tackling. Targets thighs and wraps to finish with strong core. Forced 13 fumbles early influencer on punt and kick cover teams. Like it was all there. The tape showed exactly who he's going to be. Now he's got to play. He looks good on hard knocks. He looks good in the preseason, but I have no doubt that he's going to end up making a bunch of plays. Hey, um, I want to mention this too. I was watching this before I came on just as a little, a little kicker here, a sports documentary. I'm watching the Manti Teo documentary on Netflix. Untold. I've, I've been getting texts about it. Like wild, wild. I didn't realize that he was, I don't keep up with recruiting as much as some people. So I didn't know he was like set to go to USC and he had this conversation right before he was going to go announce. And he felt this pull to Notre Dame based on a conversation that someone said, he's a person of great faith, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, from him going to USC, I don't, I don't remember. You were, you were in town when he signed, probably, right? Uh, with Notre Dame, was there a bunch of buzz about him being a USC Trojan back in the day? Well, he always was like the cast me out. I think people have to go back and realize, like, the hoax overshadowed what people talked about. He was expected to be a big time player. You know, he made a ton of plays for that defense. That team played in the national title game, right against yeah. Alabama. Got smashed, was, but yeah. Yeah, he was the focal point of that defense. And when you watch him, like now his career, I mean, he still carved out a pretty long career for mm-hmm. someone who didn't ever really start. But look, man, he he was everything there. Little square box body coming down, making plays, had great instincts. But sounds like Malcolm this, Rodriguez. Yeah, this situation overshadowed yeah. his his stuff heading into the draft. And, you know, without uh, giving away the, the next thing, like it's really unfortunate. Um, I would say that's the best way to describe it. It's just really unfortunate the way that it played out because it certainly left scars and did damage to him and his reputation and all that other stuff. So it's great that it came out, but yeah, he was, he was a cast me out. Yeah. Big time. I mean, it was conversations about him or Manziel for, I remember for that Heisman trophy and that's a linebacker. And he had a lot of buzz for Heisman Trophy that year. So um, really interesting doc so far. I have not finished it. I'm, I'm in the early stages. But one of those guys that when the draft, there's always storylines that are bubbling. That one happened to be on the surface. But there's always stuff behind the scenes going on in a lot of these guys' lives, sometimes positive, sometimes negative, sometimes troubling, sometimes you know heroic or exciting or um, lots of stories for us to get into down the road, certainly. And and hopefully you guys enjoyed some of the stories about some of these guys, or at least the we, way we see them headed into yeah. the, the season. But, man, I'm excited yeah. about this year, Buck. Yeah, I'm excited too. And I can't wait to bring you back on because I can't wait to start digging into this class. Everyone's talking about these quarterbacks. I got a chance to be around uh, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, uh, some of these other guys at Elite 11. Uh, and it's different. That conversation that we had about the quarterbacks this year, won't be the same conversation next year because there's a lot there's a lot of buzz about what is to come but one thing that i know is to come we will get lz back on the move to six podcast here in a few weeks uh just talking about what's going on before we get into the college football season thanks so much for stepping in for dj today lance i appreciate you my man
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.